Hello and a very warm welcome to this edition of the Africa Legal Podcast. And I am very happy to be joined today by a good friend of mine, first and foremost, and a vastly experienced in-house lawyer and general counsel in the African extractive space, this being Mr. Daniel Driscoll. Now, Daniel's other accreditation is that he has helped co-chair the General Counsel Forum, which Africa Legal is very proud to run alongside Hive PLC as part of the Investing in African Mining in Daba in Cape Town each and every year. Went online for a couple of years, but we were back in person in May of this year, and we are very excited to announce that the GC Forum will be running on Thursday, the 9th of February, 2023, at the Cape Town International Convention Centre once again as part of the Investing in African Mining in Daba. Registration is now open, and as of today, the agenda is online. We will be announcing more phenomenal speakers who will be joining the agenda. But today, I'm starting off in fine form talking with the individual who will be helping navigate the delegation through another scintillating day of conferencing, networking and peer exchange as the chairperson of the event. So, Daniel, enough waffle from me. Let's dive straight into some questions here. It feels like a lot on a macro level has changed since we last got together for the GC uh, forum back in May 2022. Doesn't feel that long ago, but gosh, <laughs> hasn't a lot happened. So what what do you think are the newest trends that the industry's legal minds are now having to, to grapple with more than ever? Um, look, it, it's, uh, you know, as you said, it, it, there's been quite a lot of, kind of turmoil, both in terms of inflation and, and kind of global markets uh, since really February and you know that's really come through um you know things I've seen that you know increasingly companies are, are looking at uh you know challenges around inflation uh supply chains still aren't back to normal and and how do you manage those in terms of the associated legal risk in your contracts and in your projects you know I think what I've seen is companies are, are still struggling in many cases to, to figure out how to deal with those risks. You know, and, and it's leading to, uh, you know, challenges in, in contract negotiations. Um, you know, I, I think as well, you know, those challenges are coming through in terms of payment risk and, um, you know, how, what steps have to be taken to make sure you're going to be paid under your contracts. And For sure, yeah. Uh, and, you know, you're seeing companies that are, are, are still struggling in that area. Um, I think the third, you know, just, you know, with markets in, in turmoil, we've seen several mining companies kind of either kind of leave, you know, go private or, or shrink substantially in size. Um, but also, you know, companies that were looking to, to, to IPO have had to delay those plans. So, you know, those are all activities that involve lawyers and, um, you know, kind of seeing things trickle through in terms of how, you know, th- these companies are, are For sure. For sure. And listen, uh, to pick your brain because you've, you know, you've worked, uh, you know, in some of the largest extractives businesses that are active in Africa. You know, we're seeing news from the tech giants come out with massive layoffs, like 11 percent, half of the Twitter workforce. You know, 
Some may say, yeah, that's what happens when you get big, bloated, overvalued businesses. In your experience, have you seen like the extractive sector have to go through as brutal a culling during uh, recessions as as these these tech companies? And and a second point here is how how protected and not to be too much of a downer on this, but how how protected do you find? legal and compliance functions when it comes to, you know, staring in the face of these these economic downturns? Um, well, look, I mean, in terms of the big calls, it, it's, you know, commodities are cyclical um, and, you know, they, they, you know, are prone to to kind of drastic price changing events, which have a big impact on, on, on cash flow for mm. for mining and oil and gas companies so um look it, it's it does happen that you'll see significant calls when uh um uh you know when the commodity price cycle turns against you um in terms of how insulated uh legal compliance are i mean they're not big let's well, face it these aren't like the, the the lens of the cull surely doesn't fall i've got the the team of four who are already absolutely keeping your risk and contracting ability alive <laughs> no they're, they're they're not big but you know lawyers are expensive um and on a per capita basis legal functions tend to be one of the most expensive um in in in, in a natural resources company so well, what's more expensive getting sued or paying for the right legal advice isn't it <laughs> well you know and th- this is where uh you know compliance and these things you know I- i've heard them described well as um preventative maintenance um and, and i think yeah. that's the the challenge in these environments that um you know it's you know, not having a high-functioning team can expose the company to risk. But in terms of short-term thinking, when when a company is fighting for survival, um, you know, it can be quite tempting to yeah. uh, to chop an expense expensive function. Although, again, going back to the point you made, it, it's you know, the teams tend to be relatively small, so so there's not immense savings. What what you know, you I've seen more often is that on um, in terms of legal and compliance, that hiring decisions are put off, but you know, companies tend to not get rid of a lot of the lawyers. Um, and external, external legal spending. Eh? The, uh, the 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 law firms get you know taken to task a little bit more. Maybe they try and do a little bit a little bit more internally. Do you do you tend to see that happen as well? Um, I mean, you you certainly see budget squeezed. Um, you know, kind of squeezing the law firms is is never really easy. Um, as, as their numbers usually indicate. If you, yeah. want, if you want to look at recession, almost recession-proof businesses, have a look at the UK top 50. <laughs> yeah, see, it's, um, you know, and, and but the other thing with, um, you know, legal spend within an organization is, you know, as, as a function, you will have your budget for kind of your kind of standard ongoing kind of everyday operational matters. But when it comes to really where the big numbers are in terms of spending on disputes or transactions, you tend in many cases to be able to put that budget within the the, the project budget. Sure. So you, you can tend to hide it away a bit more in, in something that is often kind of strategic or, or kind of um, non-discretionary. So, you know, again, a lot of that spending well, so you'll hear moaning about it. It, it. It's it's it is fairly well insulated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, we 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 started this line of questioning looking at the newest trends. So I'll 
I'll go with a trend which is or an issue that just hasn't gone away since we launched the GC forum, you know, four years ago, and that is ESG. Now it is once again on the agenda. There's no avoiding it, but I was absolutely committed to doing it in a different way. And a bit of inspiration from one of the advisory board who said, useful acronym, nightmare fuel for GCs. Uh, why are three very disparate, very complicated and very large issues being, we're pretending like they're as tidy as the acronym itself. You know, why is this landing at legal's feet? Uh, how do we reevaluate what's happening here? Uh, hot take on that, if you will, Dan. Sure. It's, um, well, look, I mean, <laughs> Now, this is something I, I remember either at the first or second uh, GC forum where we talked about the importance of unpacking these concepts and, and really looking at each one individually. Um, you know, Enviro, yeah, it's not, you know, a, a, of all these topics, it's probably one of the, the less legal in nature. Although, you know, looking at legal liability in, in terms of M&A and, and that flowing out of Enviro issues sure. is obviously still important. Um, but it's more the um, the uh, the S and the G, um, um, you know. And you know, look, I mean, good governance is, is kind of squarely within the, you know the, the wheelhouse of, of legal functions. And yeah, it was it was it was there long before someone came up with a pithy acronym. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, and then you know, kind of the the social aspect of it. It's you know you are getting into a lot of human rights issues. And again, particularly in Africa, uh, particularly with mining, um, where you have uh, perhaps more than any other business, you know, you, you have a, 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 a mining operations have a significant impact on the communities in which they mm. operate. And, um, you know, th these, these types of community impact issues are incre increasingly being raised by communities um, as human rights issues, um, which is, you know, it doesn't necessarily change the nature of the 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 the, the issue, but it, it's certainly a, a much louder. Um, well, there's uh, a louder and a scary and a more legalistic twang to it, exactly, uh, rather than just you know local complaints. I mean, one one thing that I've always heard from speakers at the the GC forum, whether it's on stage or you know over a cup of coffee, is on the societal side of things. It feels like there's the ability to control societal risk is much more to do with your practical engagement with local stakeholders rather than the legal mindset or legal framework that you bring to it. E.g., if you're looking more at what practical steps you can take to build bridges and lines of communication, everything from community hubs to free Wi-Fi, for example, that's your real you know, secret weapon when it comes to mitigating uh, flare-ups and, and societal risk. Does, does that resonate with you as well? Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, you know, and again, I think this goes back to the, the point you made, start, you know, why is this landing at, at legal's feet? And in, in many cases, it really shouldn't, you, you know, mm. it, it, these things are becoming legal issues. It's because in most cases, you know, someone's done something wrong <laughs> you know, exactly. something's gone wrong um you know so what can legal do um you know again you know helping keep it on the agenda but you know really it's about buy-in at the top and it's making sure you know if you have that buy-in at the top then you're likely to be seeing 
you're going to have good uh, social impact teams and kind of community engagement programs. And, um, you know, you're going to be doing the things you have to do um, to, you know, uh, and on the climate side, you know, you're going to be looking at ways you can incorporate, um, you know, uh, wind and solar into your energy, you know, to to reduce your carbon output, you know, you are going to be looking at things like, you know, can you switch to LNG to, to, to fuel your mining fleet and, and reduce carbon in, uh, output. So, um, you know, if you have the right mindset in the organization, you know, you're going to be focusing on these things and it really doesn't have to land at legal speed. Sure. sure. Um, I mean, Dan, look, for something which is apparently so pervasive as, as important, why aren't we seeing a director of ESG job title at, at you know each of the majors i mean i'm i might just be naive here but i haven't seen that job title start flooding the market and it's been what five six years before that acronym really started to hit hit agendas is it is it because the in-house council whose feet are landing at are just doing such a phenomenal job or are there other other forces at play look it's um you know, it, it's one of these things that, um, you know, for every organization, well, I should say not, you know, organizations generally tend to view it in a different way. You know, for, for yeah. some organizations, you know, it's very much a an external kind of relations matter. It, it's, you know, about getting your reporting to the, the agencies right and making sure that, you know, they understand what you're doing so that when they do their ESG ratings, um, you know, you're getting the best possible score. Um, for others, you know, you know, and I think it's probably a little bit of everything here. Um, you know, for others, it's, um, you know, it's something that it's a concept really that has to be woven through the DNA of the organization and, and everyone has to be doing their bit, uh, towards it. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and, and I think that's potentially why you're not seeing it as a, uh, uh, warehouse in a particular role or, or individual. Yeah, because you'll just be a coordinator exactly. more than an owner and, and, anyway. And, exactly. And, you know, that coordination function, I think probably, to some extent, I think it does best sit within the kind of uh, the investor relations or whoever's doing your kind of external engagement, um, because that's the point, at, you know, which, you know, you do need to be making sure that it, all the good stuff the organization's doing is being properly communicated, um, both through your sustainability report um, but also to the agencies that are assessing you. Yeah. So, um, you know, you know, and that's so, I mean, yeah, if, if it's going to sit anywhere as kind of a title, you know, it probably is best suited as, as some sort of communications function. Um, and, and also then coordinating what is the strategy for carbon reduction, for governance, for community engagement, et cetera. But, um, you know, yeah, to, to, to kind of to give someone absolute control over all of those things. It, it's too broad a topic. Sure, sure. And look, um, to I'd like to say that I'm taking us on to a nice, simpler, narrower line of questioning after the, 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 the mammoth of ESG, but I'm not. I'm going to ask you, what does the modern in-house lawyer want from their business? And secondary beyond the you know obvious points around remuneration and respect what what do you think mining companies can do to actually attract the best legal talent and i'm thinking at the 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 senior end potentially on that first point you know what does the modern gc want from their business and on the second one probably at the junior end you know how how do we attract the right caliber of legal talent and keep them happy 
Yeah. Um, look, I mean, at, at the senior end, um, you know, I think what you're looking for more than anything is an organization that values legal. Um, and, you know, you know, I, I don't think there is always a, a universal universal appreciation for that. And, you know, you can see that in places like the London market where, you know, you still have lots of uh, mining companies, um, both in the AIM and, you know, in the FTSE that don't have developed yeah, yeah. legal functions. You know, they'll, they'll have um, COSEC functions, and that's a function that you're required to have uh, um in some cases, but, um, you know, legal can still in many cases be outsourced. So when an organization does decide to, to have a GC, um, it, it's kind of reflects a kind of a, a particular ideology. Um, but then you can also, you know, see it, it's how much resources that function going to get, you know, I mean, I've seen organizations where, you know, the idea is that the GC is going to be doing some uh, really kept very busy doing low value commoditized kind of work drafting yeah you're you're the lawyer that happens to be in the building exactly Uh, (laughs) um and again i i don't think necessarily a lot of people are going to be uh thrilled for that sort of role whereas you know you have others where the gc is very much more uh uh, a quarterback to to use an american idiom uh you know who's charged with kind of um organizing the various resources available to make sure that you know the budget is being stretched as far as possible and you know that you're getting the best value for money both both from the internal team and 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 you know when you decide to outsource and when you do decide to outsource how do you outsource do you go to a law firm or increasingly you're having kind of other options you know the the you know kind of the audit firms can carry out some of these functions or you know, you're getting um, ALSP is the, the 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 acronym Alternative Legal Services Provider. Exactly. So I mean, it's there just it, it's growing <laughs> in terms of uh, what's available. So you know, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, to, to going back to the original question, well, what is the senior lawyer looking for in how they? You know, it, it's you know, I would say it's going to be an organization that values good legal advice and, you know, wants to empower the GC to, um, uh, you know, to deliver value for money, but, uh, you know, not necessarily just kind of doing lots and lots of value work. I think it's, 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 it's to do with a business that has a respect for the value that legal can unlock, not the value in having access to lawyers. Yes, you know access to lawyers you you can you can get you know and you know it will provide a degree of value but it's really looking at that you know that swiss army knife that the right in-house counsel can really bring this isn't someone who just churns out contracts or is there to do review it's you know you can really get stuck in in so many different aspects of the business which we see year in year out at the gc forum you know with the kind of case studies that we see brought as well but to to pivot quickly onto the junior side of things dan young hungry have we seen gen z have we got gen z in-house mining council yet dan what what are they wanting uh, to be honest, I don't know my generations and the uh, the birth year cutoffs yet, but uh, <laughs> look, I, I, I can say, you know, what I've seen kind of in terms of hiring at the junior end, um, you know, it, it's not radically different uh, to, to, you know, what lawyers want at the senior end. It's, um, you know, I, I think, you know, what I see young lawyers are looking for, um, 
roles where they're going to have, you know, the opportunity to grow, um, you know, uh, opportunity for training, for additional kind of experience. And, you know, the experience you gain in-house, it is very different to the experience you get um, in a law firm. It's, yeah, yeah. It's perhaps not as deep in the sense that, you know, you're not doing SPAs and, and shareholder agree, uh, agreements all day, every day, but, you know, you're covering a very, very broad spectrum uh, of issues. So, you know, it's a very different job and a very different type of training. And, it, you know, it's also a different mindset, you know, being in an organization. You're not there to um, necessarily serve the business and be helpful in all cases. You know, you're there to kind of, uh, in some respects, as a gatekeeper and um, you know, to ensure that the business is doing what needs to be done to protect the organization. Um, but uh, Dan, to, pick, to pick up off that on that training point, it, it, it's quite you know, this year we've actually made a real effort. We've actually got a, a young extractives lawyer, uh, uh, Dean uh, Mannion Gowana, who has joined us on the advisory board. And I was just chatting with Dean earlier, actually, and I, I put this question to him. And what he said was, it's not so much uh, an interest in having the career mapped out for you and, and, you know, you'll do this and then this will happen and then this and then this will happen. I mean, that that's private practice to a, to a large degree still. He says, look, if you're choosing to go in-house, it's more about provision of available training and broad-based training. You know, it's about exposing them or having the opportunity to expose oneself to different ways of thinking, different skill sets and finding your own path through that way rather than the assurance that, oh, you've made the right choice. This is the path that you'll take. You know, you'll go this way and then that way. There seems to be this big demand for self-empowered progression, but making sure that they make those decisions through good training, good access to information and so on. Does, does that resonate with you as well? Yeah, um, you know, I, I've kind of had the pleasure of getting to know Dean uh, as well uh, through the GC forum. He, he's a kind of very impressive young lawyer, um, and and I think he's exactly right there. It's um, you know, and, and I think this is particularly when hiring in Africa. Um, you know, what I've been seeing increasingly is that you know you, you're seeing lots of people that haven't necessarily spent huge amounts of time in law firms, um, and they're coming. Uh, to the in-house role at, yeah. at an earlier point in their career. And, but they're really looking to uh, the company to, to, to provide that, that mentorship and that, and that training and development that all of us would have gotten you know, in, in a law firm. For sure. So, you know, I, I think as a, as a leader of, 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 of a kind of a legal or a compliance team, it, it's about creating a, an environment and an attitude where, you know, you are going to commit to developing the people and, and you're going to engage with them. Um, you know, and it's about making yourself available to them and understanding the, you know, what are their needs? What are their career aspirations? And, and how can you as an individual, but also, you know, as, as the, you know, uh, kind of a representative of the organization, you know, use the resources available to, to help them achieve those objectives. And, you know, I, I think if you take an interest in your young lawyers yeah. and kind of understand what they want and then can show that you're going to help them achieve that, 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 that goes a long way to building loyalty and, and, and really retaining talent. And I was it literally, that was echoed by um, Pierre Terblanche, who's on the, our advisory board as well. He's the, the general counsel uh, at the Saudi giant Marden and the, the phosphate business. And he's actually got the privilege of, of staffing up 
most um, uh, the majority of his new hires have been young Saudi women who through the changes that the kingdom have seen recently are just starting to really find their feet and the the uh, the kind of not permission but the invigorated attitudes towards finding their own paths and he said look the most important thing that i found is getting to know them the communication the dialogue letting them know that this is a you know open door policy i think can be slightly overrated because we all need to get some work done every now and again but having those conversations is is absolutely key to both your ability to be a good manager and your younger staff's ability to actually find find their feet uh, so it's you know it's 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 transcending many many markets which i think is I- incredibly exciting uh, dan i'm going to pivot us over to another key theme for the gc forum 2023 and we're looking at this through a one of our sessions which is driving for value not burnout and this is a session that's really resonated with a lot of our advisory board and you know fiona edmondson uh, uh anglo-american is currently helping me flesh out this this session into a into a pretty profound one and dean uh, is actually going to join this session as one that's most profound in needing a, a junior legal voice in your experience having led legal teams what do you see as some of the key indicators for an in-house lawyer or their team heading towards that that burnout point but even be you know prior to that impacting on their well-being and and ability to function at the levels that they want to you know what what do you see as the most important components to preventing that and monitoring that sure um i mean firstly i think this is a an important discussion to be having it's kind of mental health in, in the legal industry is is a kind of an important topic um lawyers are kind of a funny bunch in that you know we we kind of you know, if we're if we're not busy enough, we we get kind of panicky and insecure that we're not adding enough value. And you know, we're happiest when we're kind of going at one hundred and ten percent, but you know, and then moaning about being so busy. So, <laughs> uh, you know, we have a tendency to push ourselves very very hard, and um, but that that can lead to 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 burnout. Um, you know, I mean, what what can I say about this? It's um, you know, I I think the kind of the starting point is, is kind of making sure that you are creating again an environment where your team know it's safe to come to you if, if they're kind of reaching their limit to say look you know I, I need a i need a breather or you know i need to pass some of this off um so you know kind of I, again i think it's probably the important of having kind of uh the head of legal as as a, as a true lawyer as opposed to kind of parking it under um uh some other sort of executive um, so they they can actually pick things up, you know. When well, someone says my plate is too full, instead of a what a ruffle of the hair and an up and at them champ, you can say, "What can I pick up?" Well, I think it's you know lawyers can you know understand lawyers. It's uh you know and whereas you know and and you know, I do believe you know lawyers are different to, to other people. You know, again, we're as I said at the start, we're, we're a strange. Just to body. be clear here, Dan, you did not say special. You just said different. (laughs) Um, But uh, no, I mean, I I think having a lawyer in charge, you know, helps create that trust that you need with the team so that they they feel comfortable coming to you. 
Um, and, you know, they, they know that, you know, if they're coming to you, you've likely been there before and, you know, you, you can have a, a good conversation and, you know, that you'll know kind of how, how to deal with it. Um, um, but I think it's also, you know, creating an environment where you, know, you give the team, you know, the space and the scope they need to, to do things their own way. You know, yeah. you, you have to set deadlines, set objectives and you have expectations and, you know, you have budgets, but, you know, within those kind of general kind of frameworks, you know, it's important to, to, to give the, the, the individuals, the, the space that they need to, to do it their way. And, you know, my own view is, you know, look, if it's going to help someone out, if they, they do that job from home for a few days, you know, fine, you know, it's, you know, equally, you know, if I need them in the office to, to, to kind of sit around a table together, you know, uh, you know, I expect that too. So, um, you know, I, I think, you know, on the mental health point, it's it's really just, you know, it's listening to each other and it's trusting each other um, so that, uh, uh, you know, if, if someone is, you know, struggling a bit or, uh, you know, needs a bit of a break, you know, they can come and, you know, either you have the resources in the team that you can bring in some extra help or, or sometimes, you know, I see it as my role to, to step in and, you know, it kind of, you know, the, the team isn't necessarily always there to serve you. I mean, there's an element where you should be there serving the team. So, for sure. um, you know, if, if, if it's a matter of, you know, you taking on a little bit extra or, you know, you giving up a Christmas so that the team can have a break, it's, you know, that that's, I think, all part of building a, um, a high functioning team where, where everybody trusts each other and is you know, prepared to, um, um, to do the necessary to get well, the absolutely job done. absolutely and i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna pivot us from giving up a christmas to a, a far cheerier uh, uh concept which is what we're most excited about for gc forum 2023 i mean look we're, we're back in february 30 degrees sunshine cape town uh you know down at camps bay maybe the africa legal after party for want of a better word after the gc forum um plenty to be excited about but what what what's getting you on a plane down to cape town once again dan well look i mean aside from the weather and uh kind of uh, uh you know i i think it's something you know when we started doing this several years ago uh, you know i think there was a sense that it was something that indaba had to have um lawyer attendance minus then had been dropping and you know i, I think it is good to to Kind of have a dedicated segment for lawyers to talk about the the legal issues facing mining lawyers, um, you know. But uh, you know, when I was asked to get involved, it was also you know part of the concept was really to to develop that community of of you know international community of mining lawyers, and you know that's something you know if you if you look at the oil and gas industry for instance, which is a much much bigger industry than mining. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the legal community in the oil and gas sector is, is very well developed. There's lots of organizations, lots of annual gatherings. Um, the networks in London and Houston and are, are, are very, very strong. And, you know, if, if you look at kind of the London mining community, it, it's been largely disjointed. Um, and, it, you know, just really been individuals working in silos. And, For sure. Um, I, you know, I, I think... Through the GC forum, but also kind of increasing focus in mining in, in recent years, um, particularly in battery minerals, you know, you are, you know, seeing this international community of mining lawyers start to come together. And, you know, as you're also seeing over the last couple of years, 
you know, people that are engaged in it, you know, they move on to another company, but we all meet and get to know each other through, uh, through the GC forum, even if it's meeting just once a year and, you know, stay in touch and also creating opportunities, you know, I mean, this year, since, you know, since May, um, you know, I spent several weeks in Washington, DC, uh, in September and managed to catch up with, uh, two people I know, uh, you know, one at the world bank, uh, uh, from the GC forum, you know, just, you know, getting together in DC and, and doing a bit of, uh, um, you know, uh, you know, some chatting, you know, kind of about different things going on in, in, in kind of career wise and that. So, you know, I, I think it's, it is exciting to get the, the, that community together. And I think this year there's some new faces, which is going to be fantastic. 100%. And, uh, um, you know, just looking forward to, uh, you know, the work side of it, but also the social side, which is, exactly. is really quite important. I've loved, I've loved seeing the community develop. It was such an aspiration for us. And we, you know, it felt like COVID really knocked the winds out of our, our sales when it came to, you know, we had that one year, the first ever GC forum, what ran in uh, February 2020. Uh, and we felt like, you know, we really, really were making strides and it was a lot of energy and then no in-person events for, you know, at least two years. But we're back on track. You know, there's there's more interest in the event than ever. We've got new advisory board members, new speakers, new topics, uh, new ideas with with you know that we're working on with Hive, who are fantastic as partners um, on this. We absolutely love working with the team. Um, but look, on that very positive note, I'm going to say let's let's wrap things up. I think we've uh, we've given people a a good flavor, a bit of food for thought before the event. And I'm going to say once again, if you are in-house legal compliance or risk working in the African mining sector or interested in working in the African mining sector, then find your way over to the Investing in African Mining in Darba website, click register, choose the general council track, and that will grant you entirely complimentary access to our event on the 9th of February. Um, and we'd very much like to see you there. Uh, so without further ado, I will wrap things up and say thank you to all of our listeners. And most importantly, thank you, Dan, for joining me for this conversation today. Great. Thanks, Tom. Absolute pleasure. And as always, uh, please do visit us at africalegal.com for all the news, views and insights that improve your life as a modern African legal practitioner. And if you're new to the Africa Legal podcast, you can find us wherever you find any other podcast that you might care to think of. We're on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. The list goes on. So this has been Dan and Tom, and we're signing off for the Africa Legal Podcast.